0: Welcome! And this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh, and I want to thank you for joining me. I am so glad to share this time with you today. At Valley View Friends Church, we are learning how to live as God's people concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you can always get the next episode. Let's turn our attention to this week's message. While we always say that we are reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus, the last few weeks we've been talking Talking about for forgiveness and the best way you can ever restore a heart or a home is with forgiveness, forgiveness from Christ and forgiveness given to someone who's wronged you. Well, when I first started working on this series about forgiveness, uh, it was several months ago, and I picked up a book called "Forgiving as We Have Been Forgiven." It was co-authored by who I knew as the premier uh, theologian on forgiveness. His name's Gregory Jones. I've read several of his books over the years. And then another guy I didn't know, whose name was Celestin Muscura. And Muscura writes not about the concept. He doesn't write from the the idea of forgiveness, but he writes about the practice of forgiveness. Because Muscura is from Rwanda, a nation that was ravaged by genocide in 1994. And it was during that year, 1994, a period of 100 days, that a million people in Rwanda were killed. And after that, for many more years to follow, there were many revenge killings. Um, Muscura's own father and siblings were killed in the genocide. Now, he leads an organization called ALARM, African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries. He writes, In the hundred days of genocide between April and July of 1994, my people experienced hopelessness, abandonment, despair, and death. To the world, Rwanda had no hope and no possibility of a future. To Rwandese, perpetrators, survivors, and bystanders, this national tragedy literally ended our lives. For those of us who survived that cataclysmic violence, Resurrection has become a necessity. Without the practice of forgiveness in a new life that we receive from Jesus Christ, we have no hope for the future. Miskara knows that the only solution to such evil is forgiveness. In the aftermath of genocide, he has witnessed entire communities wrapped up in bitterness and hate, trapped and unable to heal. He writes, they are, we, by guarding our own hearts, our own wounded hearts, we had refused the gift of new life in Christ. He also has seen the power that God can bring about in communities when people receive Jesus and forgive. So today you're going to hear a lot of quotes from Cura and a lot of ideas from him. Forgiveness is a supernatural act. Human forgiveness without the help of God always comes up short. It's a shallow forgiveness that lacks the power of transformation. It cannot give freedom without God in it. And it is, as uh, Ms. Cura writes, uh, it's a forgiveness from the lips, but not from the heart. It's shallow. So today I want to wrap up our time speaking about forgiveness. I, I want to address how we become forgivers. Hopefully, over the last few weeks, you have dug deep into the idea of forgiveness more than normal and how forgiveness gives life. I started talking about the human need for forgiveness. We we need both to receive and to give forgiveness. We've got to do both of those. To fail to do so is to live in a relational prison. Jesus repeatedly connects your ability to receive forgiveness with your ability to give forgiveness. Do not ignore this. The second week, I followed uh, with Timothy Keller's four steps of forgiveness. That is, you truthfully name the wrong and its consequences. You empathize with the wrongdoer because we are more alike than different. and We cancel the debt. And then finally and fourthly, we reconcile the relationship. And God has walked through these steps with the entire human race, naming our sin, having compassion upon us, paying the cost himself on the cross, and now ready to reconcile with you if you would receive Jesus into your life. And last week, I spoke about barriers to forgiveness, barriers like keeping score, pride, undisciplined emotions, and most importantly, not understanding the heart of our King, King Jesus, If you do not know how much He cares for you and for everyone, you cannot comprehend forgiveness. Barriers to forgiveness choke out relationships and threaten the joy of life, and these barriers must be addressed directly, judiciously, and without delay. If you let them go, they will become a prison. And today, I want to wrap up this series by talking about what it takes to become a person who forgives. I've heard... Forgiveness described as a Christian discipline, and I like that. It's something that every Christian is to do, and it's something that we also need to work on so that we get better at it. It needs practice. But the greatest key to being a person who forgives and forgives powerfully is that you need Jesus to be at work in you. So, if you want to taste forgiveness and the life that it brings, you need to submit to Jesus. Now, God calls you to put off your old self, to renew your mind, and then to put on Christ. Only then can you be a person marked by forgiveness. And a person who is renewed by both receiving and giving forgiveness can forgive very well. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how do we become forgivers? You know, people hurt each other. They make mistakes. They come up short. Life on planet Earth is not easy. That's an understatement after talking about Muskara's story in Rwanda. But life here on Earth comes with more pain than any of us ever ask for. And it's especially difficult to forgive when the people most important to us wrong us. Yet Christians are called to be a community that forgives. We are people who receive forgiveness and we are to be a people who give forgiveness. Why? Colossians 3:13 tells you and me that we forgive because we are first forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We forgive because Jesus Christ went to the cross for me, for you, For all people, he forgave me, and so I must forgive others. Celestin Muscara writes, forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. It is the center of the church's mission as well. We have no choice. And he goes on to write, the Christian identity is that of a forgiven people who practice forgiveness. It's built into the DNA of the church. We've got to do it. So if you want to practice forgiveness, then there's three steps that are mentioned in our text today. To put off the old self, to put on the new, to put on Christ, and then to renew the mind. I want to combine that first and last one right off here, putting off the old self and putting on Christ you cannot put on Christ unless you put off your old allegiance to sin and your sinful self. And you cannot get rid of sin and be rid of it and be rid of the old self without Jesus as Lord of your life. So they go hand in hand. It's not steps one, two, three, now you can forgive. It's all three at the same time. That first one put off the old self and that last one put on Christ. They go together. To be a Christian, you must submit to the lordship of Jesus. Now, I know this isn't easy. We often want Jesus, but we also want to remain in charge. I want Jesus, but I also want my way. Someone once wrote and asked Emily Post, that's an etiquette expert from another generation, what is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House, but one has a previous engagement? And the reply was this, an invitation to dine at the White House is a command and it automatically cancels any other engagement. Many of us try to call Jesus Lord, but we have not yet canceled the previous engagements of our lives. We're tied to too many other things and we're unwilling to let go, but you can't have it both ways. Augustine, St. Augustine wrote this, Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. Now, once you can live with Jesus as your Lord, then you can receive his forgiveness for you. But then something happens that most of us do not expect. We kind of hear about it, we think about it, but we don't really dwell on it. We call Jesus Lord, we receive his forgiveness, but then we are to put on Jesus. Most of us talk about having Jesus in our hearts or in our lives. And that's true, and that's good, and that happens. But the Bible also speaks about us wearing Jesus as our clothes. In Colossians 3.10, our text describes putting on the new self, and then it describes that new self by as being renewed in the image of the Creator. It's kind of saying putting on Christ. Ephesians 4:24 also speaks of putting on the new self, new self, and that's after a call to put off the old self. Ephesians 4:24 says that we are to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Galatians 3:27 says for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Romans 3:14 says rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, put on Christ and put off the old self. Don't go back. Are you catching the theme? We are to put on Jesus and put off the old self. Put off uh, the un-Jesus parts of your life. When the old self still rules, it keeps you and me from receiving forgiveness. Use Cura writes, Vengefulness and anger can turn you into the very thing or person that you hate. If you hang on to the old self, you will become something awful. And he's seen entire communities transformed by hate and violence. And he has also seen those communities slowly transform back into places of health and wholeness again. But it comes when people let go of the old self and they put on Christ. He's Cure writes, he says, forgiveness, I love this line, it's so simple, so small. Forgiveness is always a gift. That one line in itself could be a message you could dwell on for the rest of your life. Forgiveness is always a gift. Like a new set of clothes, it covers our shame and dresses us up for the heavenly banquet. God clothes his clothes excite us, but also change how we appear to others when we wear God's clothes, we renounce that which divides, disrupts, and causes tension in the fellowship. Colossians three kind of gives a list of what those are divides, disrupts, and tension. it tells us what to put off, and for that matter, if you go to Ephesians and Romans and even Galatians, you'll find lists of what we're to put off. Colossians mentions anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language and lies. It's not a comprehensive list. There's a lot more. The point is you cannot wear these, these old things of the old life, the sinful life, and also put on the clothing of Christ. The two are incompatible. If you want to forgive, you must decide this day that you will put off the old, and that you will live each day with Jesus as your Lord, and each day that you will put on the clothing in Christ. And fortunately, there's help. I've already read to you Ephesians 4.24, but let me read a little bit more of it to you. Ephesians 4.22-24, through 24, and I think you'll hear the same pattern. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and then to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's the same three steps that are described in Colossians. Put off the old self, renew your mind, and put on the new self. It's that putting off the old, putting on the new, but it's that middle step, the renewing of your mind, It is the key to this transformation that's so difficult for so many of us. The second step is the help we need. God renews your mind. And to forgive, to be able to be a people who are forgivers, we need our minds renewed. Transformation begins with a healed heart and a renewed mind. Our hearts and our minds are are linked so closely together. Muscura writes, anger and resentment have corrosive effects on the mind. When our relationships are injured by people close to us, our minds quickly forget the good and beautiful days we have had, and we fix only on the wrong they just did. In other words, the wounds of others weigh heavy on our hearts and minds, and the angerness and bitterness and resentment that we feel make our hearts and minds sick. Muse in his book, writes about all kinds of situations in Rwanda. And in particular, he writes about a pastor who was angry at those who carried out genocide and his heart had grown dark with hate. His name was Pastor Okach. I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing these names correctly. And Muscuro writes, "'He had no peace in his heart "'and he wished peace to no one. "'He only wished and prayed for evil to happen to his enemies.' Okach later confesses and said that he even prayed that his enemies would be possessed by demons. Oh. Troubled heart makes unforgiving people double victims, both of their offenders and of their own hatred. If you're struggling with forgiveness, if you have a troubled heart, if you are wounded deeply in your heart, God brings healing to the heart through the renewing of the mind. And he promises that he can do that if you will let him. Romans 12.2 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It reads like this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, that's put off the old self, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Ephesians 4.23, we've already read it today, says this. Maybe you didn't catch the renewing of your mind, but it says that 4.23 just simply says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And Colossians 3.2, right close to what we read at the beginning of this message, says set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You're to let your heart be reformed. You're to let your actions be transformed. You're to let your mind be renewed. Invite Jesus to do that work in you today. And so, I just have this question for you. Can you say today that you are clothed in Christ? I want to put that question to you. Can you say it? That you are wearing Jesus. What clothes do your children see when they look at you? What clothes do your neighbors see when they look at you? Your friends, your co-workers. Stop putting on the garb of today. It will not bring you life It will only burden you. It will keep you from having life and giving life to others. Can you say that you're clothed in Christ? Where are you at in those three steps that I mentioned today? Maybe you're struggling to put off the old self. Maybe you're doing things you know you shouldn't. You're trapped. Hand them over to Jesus. Maybe today you need to invite the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. Maybe you've been stuck in a conflict. You don't know what to do. Invite the Holy Spirit in to do something new in you. Maybe it's high time you put on Christ, realizing that as you claim to be a Christian, people need to be, see, need to be able to see Christ all over your life. Fortunately, God is the power behind all three of those steps. He does them, but he only moves when you call him Lord over your life. Let's pray. Lord, help us to become a forgiving people. Help us to put off the old self. Help us to put off defensiveness and anger and discord. Heal us, Lord. Renew our minds. Transform our hearts so that we are set free and full of life. Lord, when someone looks at me or any other Christian, let them see Jesus. Let them see people who are forgiven and forgivers because that is what Jesus has done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.